Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. And as always, thanks for listening. You know, it's pretty rare that I put down a reaction to something. Uh, because, really, the focus that I try to focus on is equipping. I mean, I really, really want that. I think I ran across something, though, I'm just going to have to talk about. And that has to do with with biblical credibility. All right, now, I am not going to get into the weeds and the, and the deep water on the apologetics of biblical accuracy. I do want to tell you up front that I believe it is 100% historically accurate, which absolutely makes most secular biblical scholars roll their eyes and dismiss me as a nut job. But here's the thing. Uh, some time ago, in 2007, the most renowned uh, James Cameron, uh, producer of uh, the Titanic as well as Avatar, okay, pretty good at making movies, but he's on a tirade, and his kind of hobby lately uh, for several years now has been biblical studies and he has a Israeli uh, investigative reporter that kind of pairs with him and they go after certain projects now neither one of these people are trained in archaeology I'm not trained in archaeology but I want to say I've read a lot of stuff from people who are trained in archaeology and tried to educate myself a bit, and I do know this. I don't need to do archaeology. Do you know why I don't need to do archaeology? Because I'm not trained to do archaeology. Now, can I understand what's been written about it and make a, uh, a, a determination? Absolutely. I believe so. Now, here's the thing, though. Um... Over the years, and, and I'm going to put a little side note on this. Over the years, there have been many amazing archaeology archaeological finds uh, by amateur archaeologists. That means people who are not trained in archaeology who go out and do that. But I also want to say that the chances of someone who are not trained in archaeology to show up on a site and do stuff invites disaster also. Um, for example, uh, you know, uh, as wonderful as finding the Titanic was, uh, the Titanic is now, for some reason, uh, completely disintegrating, and they have no idea why. I mean, there's some kind of bacteria down there that's eating that thing just to to nothing and it's doing it pretty fast 
And what's funny is it never happened until, you know, this, or at least at this rate, until after James Cameron got there. Now, again, I'm not training archaeology, especially underwater archaeology, so I don't know, but uh, it stayed underwater for a long time. Then Cameron showed up, and all of a sudden, you know, now the thing is just like disappearing, so I don't know. But let's just say this. Um, none of the people on Cameron's team are archaeologists, and what they did in 2007... There was an article in Scientific America, basically, and this was March 2nd, 2007, that basically says, Has James Cameron found Jesus' tomb? And he has a statistician um, run some numbers on because they found uh, in this crypt... Uh, I think, uh, what was it, uh, the name of Jesus, Matthew, two versions of the name Mary, and then Joseph. And they were written on ossuaries. Now, let me give you a quick little situation on Second Temple period, how they buried people. So it was kind of a two-step process. Uh, the tomb part we seem to know quite a bit about because of the burial of Jesus, right? And his resurrection. But there's part two. So part one is they get put up with spices and stuff and they, they're put in the ground and then it's sealed, okay? And it's a family tomb kind of situation there. That is more or less a decomposing chamber. That's what that is for. They will they'll stay in there, and then about a year or two later, the family will come back, and they'll unseal the tomb and collect the bones and put the bones in a box. Normally, it's made of stone, and it's a small box, um, larger than a shoebox. Let's just say that about the, about kind of the size of like depending on. They're different sizes sometimes, but but it's like four shoeboxes put together. Um, and they'll and they'll scratch on the outside of it the name of the person in it. So what they found was a a uh, one of those boxes with bones that had the name Jesus on it, and I think it said Jesus, son of Joseph, or. Something of that effect. Uh, and then there was Matthew, and then they had two versions of Mary, and, and so forth. Now, what blows my mind is this PhD in statistics, okay, says that there is a 1 in 600 chance that, that the names of... Jesus, Matthew, two versions of Mary and Joseph, scribbled on five of the ten ossuaries. Again, I'm reading from the article, or casket of bones, found in the Talpiot tomb, could belong to a different family of family than the one described in the New, Te- New Testament. Now, this thing went bananas, and. 
basically people were suggesting, wow, this could be it. This could be the tomb of Jesus. Now, in my opinion, it's like, um, oh, of course, this is sensationalism at its best. And to be honest, if you want to get somebody's attention, especially uh, a church somebody, then basically this is just like poking the badger with a stick. I mean, that'll set them right off. Um, <laughs> the article goes on to say that even on the Discovery Channel, uh, which is set to air the controversial doc- documentary on Sunday, March 4, now by the way, this is in the past again, seem confused by the statistician's calculations, declaring on its website that that the odds were 600 to 1 in favor of it being the Jesus family tomb. Now, why am I going into all this? Well, bear with me just a second, because it it gets even more interesting when you add to the fact that, that there was a biblical scholar, all right, named... Jody Magnus, who weighed in on this, and and she basically had to say that uh, look, um, and this I'm paraphrasing a little bit, okay, but and I don't want to I want to do justice to it, but she was saying I don't understand, you know, how they're coming at this conclusion because Jesus was. A uh, a poor individual, and his family was poor. And the chances are, uh, he would have never been in a tomb uh, as uh, fancy as that, and it would have probably have been in Galilee. So the situation is, she's saying, you know, I don't understand what. Uh, I don't understand what what uh, Cameron's talking about. Now, here's the quote. And this is coming off of Wikipedia that got it from a different source. It said, Magnus has strongly criticized the docudrama The Lost Tomb of Jesus of James Cameron and Simcha Jacobvisi, stating that, quote, At the time of Jesus, wealthy families buried their dead in tombs cut by hand from solid rock, putting the bones in niches in the walls and then later transferring them to ossuaries. Now, that's exactly, I think, what I had just mentioned. But then she goes on to say, Whereas, Jesus came, and this is quote, quote, Jesus came from a poor family that, like most Jews at the time, probably buried their dead in ordinary graves. If Jesus' family had been wealthy enough to afford a rock-cut tomb, it would have been in Nazareth, not in Jerusalem, she said. All right. 
Now, why does this even matter? To me, it matters because I don't think these people are even looking at the biblical record. I'm not even sure they care about the biblical record. I don't think that they believe the Bible has any validity at all. And the reason I say that is because um, the number one, if you believe the biblical record, you wouldn't be looking for a body of someone who's not there. You just wouldn't. Um, if you really believe that what it said is true. And the Gospels are telling you something that they at least believe is true, then you wouldn't be looking for the bodies. And you wouldn't even comment on where so and so's body was buried. Because it says he rose from the dead and he ascended. And that's what the witness testimony is. Just so happens, I believe it. Now, here's the thing. Here's here's a few added things to consider, though. Another problem that you've got, at least with Cameron's statistic idea, is that um, Jesus... In, as well as Simon and, and, and Joseph and John and Matthew were in the were in the top nine most common names in Israel in that, that period of time in the second temple period I mean really really common if you want to Double, if you want to look at that list, uh, it's it's in YeshuaInContext.com. But I've also heard a similar thing from uh, from uh, a teacher that I, uh, Dwight Pryor, a teacher that I've followed. Guess what? Top nine female names. Well, in fact, let me just give you the, the male names in order. So number one is Simon. Then you have Joseph, Lazarus, Judas, John, Jesus, or Yeshua, Ananias, Jonathan, and Matthew. Top nine female names were Mary. Mary's number one. Remember they they saw two different versions of Mary? Uh Uh-huh. Salome. Then uh, Shilamzion. Wow. Number four is Martha, Joanna, Sapphira, Bernice, Emma, and Mara. Most common. Most common. That is, uh, they're like pretty frequent. For example, and this is some fun statistics 15.6% of the men were either named Simon or Joseph. 41.5 41.5 of the men had one of at least one of the top nine names. Had one of the top nine names. 28.6% of the women were either Mary, Miriam, 
or Salome. 49%, 49 49.7% of the women had one of the top nine names. So with that running loose, there's no way you can even calculate that necessarily because you'd have to know who everybody is. So anyway, so that's why I say that's just sensationalism. Now here's what here's what kind of threw me about Doctor Magnus's thought process is if she believed the biblical record, then she probably would go back to the fact that Jesus. Number one was buried in someone else's tomb. It was Joseph of Arimathea, I believe. And he was a rich guy. And he had a tomb in Jerusalem. And he let Jesus use it. Um course the thing is uh, Jesus didn't need it for long but she doesn't mention any of that she instead she 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 talks more about oh well you know he was poor and this so she thinks he's she thinks he's gone she pretty much thinks he's a goner all right the biblical record Here's what I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say. The information is there, if you're willing to look at it. Now, if you've got a predisposed disposition to not believe it before you ever pick it up, then I don't care how much proof you've got. I mean, you could have it on video, and you're not going to believe it. But if you can open your mind... And you can look at, at some of the information that's out there. Lee Strobel has several books. And he was a, an investigative reporter. But you also have Josh McDowell. And one of my favorite books that, that doesn't circulate a lot is by Josh McDowell is called He Walked Among Us. And it's very well documented. It has a ton of info in it. But you might know the evidence that demands a verdict. There are books after books after books for the for the for the faith as well as the scripture. And what I would encourage someone to do, and it ain't an easy thing, is to get a book on the Christian scripture. Lee Strobel. Josh McDowell, and there's others, believe me. Look at, look at it. Because the thing is, is either you believe it or you don't. Because scientifically, you can't prove history. Science has, you know, in some ways, science is really good at some things, but it's not good at a lot of stuff having to do with history because you, because you, can't, you have to have something you can look over again and prove. And you can't make Caesar come back and, oh, yeah, there he is. Okay, so there really was a Caesar. Look at that. And 
uh, trying to do DNA evidence off of people who lived 2,000 years ago, you might as well just lick a rock and try to do that. It's crazy. Okay, uh, science is not going to do that. When, when you look at history, you have to look at evidence. And when you look at evidence, you have to look at historical record. And either you do believe the historical record or you do not. And if you don't, okay. I tend to be from the camp like Elijah. And he he basically said this. I mean, and he was by himself, and there was a, about a, there was a couple of hundred priests of Baal. And what he told the king was this. Hey, if Baal's God, worship him. But if Yahweh's God, if Yeshua's God, worship him. And I guarantee you that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose son is Jesus in Hebrew, Yeshua HaMashiach, he's going to win 100% of the time no matter who says what. And there's no atheists on the other side. And there's no unbelievers on the other side. Believe me. So, look at the biblical record. Check it out and read it. Read it. Um... Because, in my opinion, if you don't believe the biblical record, you're wasting your time with everything else attached to it. Because it is God's word to us. I mean, it's that straightforward. So, with that in mind, I want to encourage you and keep on keeping it on thank you for listening to this edition of speak it on and as always don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth